Mike Ling. And I'm Charles Lee. And you're listening to the Grok Science Show. That's right. It's a weekly look at the world of science, technology, and effects on our daily lives. Coming up on today's program, Rachel Lance will join us to discuss In the Waves. So stay tuned for all of this. Plus the Grokatron 5000. And our world-famous question of the week. Coming right up. Here. On the Grok's Science Show. Well, the raising of the H.L. Hunley, a Civil War submarine, provided more questions than answers. Well, joining us today to discuss this fascinating story is Dr. Rachel Lance. Dr. Lance is a biomedical engineer who specializes in patterns of injury and trauma. She's currently an assistant consulting professor at Duke University, where she conducts research at the Center for Hyperbaric Medicine and Environmental Physiology. She has penned the new book, In the Waves, my quest to solve the mystery of a Civil War submarine, and joins us today to discuss this very fascinating story. And Dr. Lance, thank you so much for joining us today on the Grox Science Show. Hi, thanks for having me. Thank you so much for joining us. This is a fascinating tale. I'm curious how you became interested in this subject. Well, I had already been interested in underwater blast trauma, and I was already working on research in that area. That's basically just a combination of all of my interests. I'm a big scuba diver. I had always been fascinated with underwater physiology. And prior to returning to grad school, I was working for the Navy building underwater breathing systems. So when someone offered me the opportunity to stick with underwater physiology, but also blow things up, I jumped at it. And that became kind of the topic of my doctoral dissertation and research. But then one day, my advisor just sort of wandered into my office. He had kind of a way of doing that. And he just said, what about the Hunley? I honestly had no idea what he was talking about, but after I Googled it, I realized it looked like a really interesting problem, the Civil War submarine that no one could figure out how everybody died. Great combination of things that, for most of us, we probably haven't heard about the Hunley. What was the Hunley and what was its significance? The Hunley was a submarine during the Civil War, and the tagline you always hear is, it's the first submarine ever to be successful in combat. So what that means is that the Hunley is the first submarine that ever successfully sank an enemy ship during actual combat from an enemy. And this little submarine, it was 40 feet long and it was hand built out of the recycled iron from the boiler of a steamship. It was cranked. Also, seven of the crew inside cranked a handle that was attached to gears that was attached to the propeller. And there was also a pilot who would navigate. And together, they brought the submarine up to the hull of an enemy ship where they jabbed it with a spar torpedo. And what that means is off the bow of their boat, they had this 16-foot pole. And at the other end of that pole, they had a giant black powder bomb. And this thing was about the size of a beer keg. It had a pressure-sensitive trigger. So they just cranked the submarine up to the enemy ship. And they poked that pressure-sensitive trigger into the side of the hull, and it just blew off the whole starboard stern. It was quite dramatic. This was a Union ship. They had roughly 200 people or so on board. Five of them died during the explosion, and the ship was on the bottom of the ocean in less than five minutes, which left the rest of the crew sort of dangling from the rigging. Luckily, they were in very shallow water, so they all 
climbed up the masts and the sails and they were hanging on there for dear life until rescue came. But where our story takes over is the Hunley was then never seen from again. It was finally found and then raised in 2000. People all thought that we would have a clear answer of what happened to the crew. But from there, the mystery only deepened. They were all found inside the submarine still just peacefully seated at their station. What ran through your mind when you heard about this? Here's the thing. I don't want to give away too much, but as a blast trauma researcher, you learn to look for little hallmarks of injury that aren't necessarily obvious. And the reason they're not obvious is because Hollywood has been lying to you for decades. So a lot of people think of an explosion as something that like picks up Tom Cruise and throws him from the helicopter onto the train and he's just blown wildly and his limbs are everywhere. I mean, he still gets up and goes on his mission. But in reality, if a blast has enough force behind it to move you, then it definitely has enough force behind it to kill you. So when you, as a blast trauma specialist, see a case where people are just kind of mysteriously crumpled to the ground, that sets off a bell. And that means that this is worth investigating further and looking into whether or not this could potentially be a blast incident. So the kinds of things that blasts can do are really more disruptive to our internal systems rather than outwardly manifested? Yes, exactly. So you can obviously get close enough to a bomb or have a large enough bomb where you're going to start having an impact on the skeleton and all those other systems, especially if they're shrapnel. But when you're talking about just the pressure waves and the shock waves alone, they're really only mainly affecting the soft tissues. So the first thing that's going to be impacted is actually the lungs. With the case of the Hunley, these guys are down there for 150 years. They're soaking in salt water. No lung tissue is surviving that. So any solid evidence of a blast type injury would have long been gone, which means that the only way to assess that theory was through Obviously, an unnecessarily complex series of experiments in a muddy farm pond. Tell us a little bit about some of the work you did trying to piece together your theory, see if it held with what you think happened to the Hunley. A lot of what I did at first was looking at other possible theories. So when you're a scientist, you really have to keep an open mind and look at other people's ideas in addition to your own and make sure you're evaluating all of them with equal weight. And What I did was I looked first at the two main other theories, the theory that the crew had asphyxiated inside the hull, and then the theory that live fire from the crew of the USS Housatonic had managed to sink the Hunley. I managed to eliminate those. The first one was math and knowledge of respiratory physiology. And then the second one, the answer was to befriend a Civil War reenactor. We got to do live fire testing at a firing range and shoot at some cast iron samples and see how they were broken and shattered. But we also concluded finally that that was not plausible either, which led me to my own theory, which obviously involved the bomb itself. And to test that one, what I needed to do was create a scale model. You can actually create scale models of most blast type scenarios, as long as you you treat the variables correctly. And so to do that, um, I had a local metalworking artist who built me a six and a half foot submarine model of the Henley, which one night super late at the lab, I spray painted with the word CSS tiny. And um, I gave it a little spar 
and I gave it little black powder charges. And of course there was a lot of math involved in proper sealing and whatnot. Um, and then set them off and measured what the effects were um, relevant to my theory. Are these routine in terms of assessing blast effects? I mean, facilities, did you have to build a lot of the stuff yourself? Yes and no. Some of these experiments are very common if you're working on a military base. So there are a couple military bases where they do this sort of stuff somewhat routinely. It's, it's not every day, but they have it set up there. The problem is that in order to use those facilities, you have to pay the facilities costs, which I had $4,000. I could get maybe two seconds of time at a military formal blast facility. So no, my kind of low budget way of improvising it was not super formal and it was not the most common experimental setup that you'd see. But I thought it was really interesting because that's how a lot of science occurs. It's very rare that you have a lab with like shiny polished steel uh, surfaces everywhere and custom arrays of huge monitors like you would see in TV. Like that's a very well-funded lab. Most of us are, are trying to put as much money as we possibly can toward the science itself. And we end up with setups that are a little bit homemade. With the setup that you got, you found some evidence that corroborated your theory. Yes. So thankfully, one of the things that I did get to use the high-tech version of was the gauges. And so I had access to like the advanced military grade gauges. And that was really important to me to getting good data. And so through this exhaustive series in the farm pond, swimming in the mud, I recruited my dad at one point to like help pull the submarine back and forth. It was an adventure. But yeah, at the end of it, I walked away with this data that was supported and that showed that my theory was probably correct. Since this has come out, how well has it been received by the other people who've been looking at this, by folks that are interested in the history of the Hunley? And what do you think the reception's been? Well, the book is just coming out. So there hasn't been a lot of public reaction to that yet because it's so brand new. The academic paper, there were some people with mixed reviews just because I think when you have a project this big, people get very territorial and they get very emotionally attached. All of the people that I've collaborated with in the past in the blast world were extremely supportive and very excited and have all sent me numerous positive messages. So that's been really fun. A couple of people I've never even worked with before just, you know, found my paper and hunted me down just to send me congratulatory emails. They thought the project was interesting, which is pretty cool as a researcher. You don't get that often. What do you think uh, then your work can tell us about other mysteries, provide any insight in terms of analyzing related blast trauma that could exist? I don't know if it would really necessarily inform something that literally, because this is such a specific case. Like the next time you really see submarines is World War One, And by then, they've already been built thicker and stronger to the point that they're not going to be susceptible to the same types of things that the Hunley is. But what I think this book does, at least what I hope it does, is it kind of provides the template for how good science works. Here's how you step through a problem. Here's how you evaluate all of your different theories. Like, here's how you think about it and approach it and try to eliminate all the possibilities until you're forced to the one inevitable conclusion of the truth. Are you uh, continuing to work on this project, another project that's in the works? 
I wrapped up my projects for the Hunley. The data that I got for me was conclusive enough for me to call it finished and move on. So I do still work with Duke as a faculty member, and I'm working on different puzzles of underwater science and underwater physiology. And I really love that. That lets me kind of keep looking at what happens to the human body when we push it into these areas where we're not supposed to go. We're talking with Dr. Rachel Lance. She's written the new book, In the Waves, My Quest to Solve the Mystery of a Civil War Submarine. And uh, Dr. Lance, thank you so much for joining us today on the Grox Science Show. Thank you for the interview, and I'm really glad to hear that you enjoyed reading it. And that's all for this week's edition of the Grox Science Show. Make sure you tune in next week for more from the world of science and technology. If you'd like to contact us here, you can email us at science at grox.net. For Grox Science, I'm Frank Ling. And I'm Charles Lee. Make sure you also see us on the web at www.grox.net. Have a great afternoon and keep on grokking.